1 Corinthians chapter 10, continuing our series, Christ in the Old Testament. Today we're going to look at how Christ appeared in the Old Testament stories. He was there often in different persona, and we're going to talk about those things today in probably some ways that might surprise you, and uh, really interesting stuff, and I have to be careful not to get lost in the minutia and the details and all those kinds of things. Uh, so, spoiler alert, we, I might go long, I'm going to try not to. It's kind of a preacher thing, you know. Uh, my dad used to say that preachers preach too long because they like to hear themselves talk. And that's not always true. We don't normally like to hear ourselves talk. We just like to talk about stuff that interests us, like everybody else. So that's where we are today. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Hold that place in your Bible. We'll be looking at that one and several others. So just keep your Bibles handy. As always, we pray a time for you to voice your concerns with God. He gives you his full attention. Regardless of your concerns or hurts or your grief, when you pray to God, in the name of Jesus, he hears you. He makes time for you. If you are lonely, he makes his presence known to you. He helps you to understand that he still loves you and cares for you no matter what. I'm going to give you a few moments to pray where you're seated. I'll close and then we'll look at this passage together. Would you bow with me, please? Father, again, we thank you for your presence today. We gather today in safety. We are secure in this wonderful nation. Free, privileged gift. Thank you. It's hard for us to think today of worship as we consider our brothers and sisters in faith in Israel and Ukraine. And we know other nations. We pray for them. We pray for Israelites, for Palestinians. We pray for peace, for Ukrainians, for Russians. On all sides, there are innocent and guilty people. We pray for them, for their safety, for their encouragement and hope. We pray that they would be able to get their lives together again. We pray for their leaders, that you would give them wisdom and a desire for peace and justice on all sides. We pray, Father, for our soldiers, for those who have power over us, our leaders and elected ones and appointed leaders, we pray for them, Father. Give them wisdom, the ability to make good decisions that can serve the common peace. Help them to resist partisan politics that tend to separate and destroy. We pray for them. For our first responders, guide and direct them, use them, protect them. Comfort their families. Father, every week we come with burdens on our heart. You know the world in which we live. Help us. We do thank you for this wonderful nation. For the life that we have in Christ. For your indwelling spirit. For your word which teaches us and comforts us. Thank you. We ask for mercy for our sin. Cleanse us as only you can, Father. So Father, teach us from your word. 
Help us to apply what we learn to our own lives. We pray that your spirit could use these teachings to help us in this life. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It really is all about Jesus. Maybe our video can get you to think in this way. Debbie? In mid-19th century India, a man converted to Christianity by Welsh missionaries was confronted by the chief of his village. The chief commanded him to renounce his newfound faith in Christ or face grave consequences. In response to the chief's threats, however, the man only replied, Infuriated, the village chief dragged the man's family outside and began to threaten them with bodily harm. The man, unflinching, responded to the leader's ultimatum. save face among the people, the village chief slaughtered the man's family in front of him. He turned his eyes to the steadfast convert, demanding that he either deny the works of Jesus or face his own death. In the center of the public square, the man was bound, beaten, thrown to the ground, and slowly crushed to death. But not without a final defiance of the village chief. His lungs collapsing, the man's final words rang out in song through the village square. The call of Christ is clear. Forsake the dark and powerless system of this world and cling to the saving hope of the cross. Then and only then can you look to the shackles of your former life and declare that there is no turning back. The news we hear almost every day now makes us realize this happens every day. True story, by the way. The missionary wasn't there who had led this man to Christ, but the story got back to him, and he talked to people in the tribe that saw this happen, got their story, and they put the words to music. It really is all about Jesus. This faith changes lives, doesn't it? It changes everything. And it's, it sounds cliche, it's all about Jesus. So today we talk about Jesus. Christ in the Old Testament. Before Jesus was Jesus, he existed. A little bit of theology. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That is the triune God. It, it is the God whom we worship. Three separate and distinct persons, at the same time, one, not like us. We have separate roles. That's a good way to understand it, but it's more than that. Sometimes people ask, well, we know what Jesus did, did it on the cross, but what about Jesus before the cross? 
So today we're going to talk about that. On screen are some ideas. One of the first ones is this idea, if we can get that first screen up there. Messiah appeared on earth long before the incarnation. So a little bit of history, a little bit of theology. We talked last week, if you remember, about creation, how Christ was in creation. How he was God's agent of creation. God the Father, Spirit. God the Son, Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit at work in creation. God created through Jesus the chaos and the rough, rough elements. And then the, here, the Spirit hovered over the waters. And then Jesus went to work and created. And you or I are a result of that. But we have to remember that Jesus wasn't Jesus then. And this is where it gets kind of sticky. This is where the theology class comes in. Before Jesus was Jesus, he was Messiah. Son of God, but no human form. Jesus is his human name. So before he was incarnate God as the infant that came at Christmas, no one called him Jesus. They called him Messiah. Remember in the Old Testament, they kept looking for Messiah. Well, this is who they were talking about. Jesus before he had the name Jesus. And eventually he became Jesus in the flesh. So he was eternal with the Father, but distinct from the Father and equal to. Kind of hard to remember, kind of hard to figure out. And we wonder, well, just what was Messiah doing before other than creation? Turns out that Messiah, and for the rest of this sermon when I talk about Messiah, it's almost always going to be in reference to Jesus before he was the baby. Okay? So I don't want to lose you on that. What was Messiah doing? So on screen, we're going to get to some ideas here. As I read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, we can go to that screen. Follow along, please. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. So Paul is trying to make a connection between the Old Testament images of the way God worked and the New Testament people worshiping Jesus. And remember, at Corinth, they weren't Jewish people. This whole Trinity thing... God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. That was a bizarre notion. And it was new. And they didn't understand it. So at every point when he could, Paul would try to teach this. So he taught them using this passage. Trying to help them to understand that the Christ whom they worshipped, Messiah, Jesus, had been Messiah all along. So he went back to the Moses story leading the Hebrew people in the wilderness. And, and by now they had all heard this. Remember, they had the Old Testament at the time. Not the New Testament, but the Old Testament. And they knew the story. The Exodus event and the wanderings and all those kinds of things. And they knew that Moses had struck the rock, even when he wasn't supposed to. And the water sustained them. And that rock, turns out, was Jesus. Look at verse 4. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. So, here's this concept that Jesus Messiah was working on earth in very human events in God's people's lives in a variety of forms. Here, using the metaphor of 
a rock that gave them water for life. And as you know, you have to drink. In desert environs, you must drink or you will die this week. And the water that sustained them was from the rock Messiah. And you don't have to worry about how that all works out. That doesn't mean that Jesus was the literal rock. I don't think that. But, you know, that's a good metaphor for understanding that in this image of a rock providing water was Messiah at work. And the rock was Christ. So it was more than just, just an image. There's something supernatural about that whole thing. And what it was was God the Son at work in Old Testament people's lives. Messiah was there giving water. So I know that some of you have been through a class, and Terry's class studied angels for some time. And I asked him today just as a, a question to see what he'd been, had, had been exposed to. And I know you talked about angels. And there's a whole lot of stuff about angels. And in the Old Testament, when you see the phrase, the angel of the Lord, sometimes it referred to Messiah at work. Not always. The angel of the Lord was at sometimes angels, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment, but sometimes it was called the angel of the Lord, and that was Christ, Messiah, at work. So when we see in the Old Testament, in creation, and we saw the angel of the Lord working, and the Spirit hovered over the waters, Messiah was there doing the creation account. So what I want to do is get on screen some instances of Christ's appearance in the Old Testament, a couple of terms. So first of all, most of you know what an angel is. Typically, an angel is one of those created beings. And we know the Bible says some information, not a lot, that God created angels before us. And really, we don't know a whole lot more of factual information about that. The Bible doesn't have a chapter where you can go and get all your information about angels. But they are referenced many times. The term angel, angelos, simply means messenger. So when you think about it that way, whenever God wanted to speak to his people there, or serve his people in some way, many times an angel was dispatched, a messenger of God. And those were often created beings that we're talking about. Now, angels didn't have wings. That was a fourth century artist conception where angels got wings. And uh, I think it's because in those days, people knew that nobody could fly except for birds because that's just it. And so they had pictured wings. I think now if no one had ever heard of angels and they heard of angels and they saw that they were hovering over the waters, they would come up with them floating in a drone or something like that because they would have to have an image of angels floating around the air. But, you know, so when you look at the paintings of cherubs with little fat babies with wings floating around, that's an artist's conception of angels. And that's not really what they look like. We don't really know much about them. And it's irrelevant, by the way, what they look like. Now, if you want to have angels and paintings and things dangling from your car mirror, that's, that's no big deal. But really, it doesn't matter. So in the Old Testament, God used angels. When you think about it, if angels are simply messengers of God, and this may expand your understanding, when you hear someone say, he was really an angel to me because he came and helped me when I needed help, and they're talking about a friend down the street, that's okay. It's not necessarily one of those biblical teachings, but if an angel is a messenger of God, 
there are various types of angels. Sometimes there are created beings who are just angels. Sometimes you, who may be bringing a message of love and grace to somebody else, may be serving in that capacity. So you don't have to be perfect. And it doesn't have to be anything bizarre to encounter someone who is a messenger of God. And as I said, sometimes in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord was Messiah. Now one other thing, so there's angel, then there's theophany. And this is a kind of a bookish definition. I stole this from a scholar. An intense manifestation of the presence of God that is accompanied by a visual display. Of course, none of us would talk that way, but that's how scholars write, right? So, when there's an intense presence of God and you see something, that can be a theophany. And this is how Messiah often appeared. So sometimes in the Old Testament stories, when the angel of the Lord appears, sometimes it's an image of a burning bush speaking to Moses. Or a cloud. Or a pillar of fire that followed the Israelites through the wilderness. Those are images of how an angel appears. And those are theophanies. Big term. So if you're talking to your friends and you say, well, we learned about theophanies Sunday and you want to impress your friends, you can talk. Now, you wouldn't, of course, but in case you ever get in that conversation and, you know, someone says theophany or you hear the term, you know, that's what it is. This is the way God sometimes appears in the Old Testament. So, again, these are just basic understandings. God works. He does things in a variety of ways. So, when you have those conversations about angels or watch those old TV shows about angels, just understand that a lot of what you think is true about angels is kind of myth. Because you just don't know. There's not a lot of clear biblical teaching about it. We know they're servants. They're messengers of God. There are some created beings that are angels. And that uh, other times, messengers for God are angels. Okay? Things like that. So, it's interesting that the way God does appear. If you would. I'm looking for a passage to look at because there's a whole bunch of stuff here. Turn to Exodus chapter 13. Back in your Old Testament, Exodus chapter 13. And this is where I think of my wife saying, Kevin, don't bore them with all the history. Because she tells me I tend to drone on. So just a little bit of droning. Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13. Verse 21. And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So it was for a long time God did this. And in chapter 14, verse 19, And the angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So there's the angel of God. And this was, we think, Messiah at work. Now remember, it was a pillar to light the way at night, a pillar of fire, and then a cloud during the daytime to signify to everybody, this is God's people, do not mess with them. And people understood what that meant. They didn't understand everything, but they knew there was something about this cloud and this pillar of fire that said, do not mess with these people. 
And the people were more than happy to explain, well, that is our God. And that's exactly how those work. So these are some of the ways that God worked in the Old Testament through Messiah. So on screen is a second idea. Jesus, Messiah, was doing God's work on earth before he came as the man, Jesus. So again, I don't want to confuse you. Messiah was always Messiah, but he wasn't always Jesus. Jesus is his human name and human form. And the reason that we don't know anything about Jesus' appearance is because, knew we, Jesus, because God knew we would get hung up on what Jesus looked like. You know, if, if we would have portrayed Jesus as a blue-eyed blonde, in our craziness, we would have thought, well, blue-eyed blonde guys must be the, the, the great thing. Or, if you had a guy with curly red hair, well, we thought, oh my gosh, curly red hair is something of a deity. And the, you know, because we're kind of crazy that way. You know, everybody wants to look like Patrick Mahomes or his wife or whatever, and now they want to look like Tracy and, and uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, and everybody wants to look like them, of course, and uh, so on and so forth. But that's just the way people are. And that's why you don't know anything about the way Jesus looked. God, does, God doesn't want us to get hung up on those external appearances. So this one who took on human form, who was such a normal looking person that when he was to be arrested, somebody who knew him had to go and kiss him. That was the reason for the kiss. So the soldiers would know who to arrest because they didn't have a clue what Jesus, son of God, looked like. But he was recognized in the Old Testament, Messiah. So on screen are some ideas. And I'll try not to take too long here. And, and we'll just look up a few of these passages. So in the creation account, you need to look this up. Remember, and God saw all that he had done, it was very good. So God saw the handiwork of Messiah. And said, this is good stuff, Messiah. Son, you did good. Think of that. And so when you look at creation and the wonders of creation, you were looking literally at the hand of God, what Messiah created under God's direction. And the Spirit worked with him. So another one. We talked about the pillar of fire in Exodus 13. And if you would, turn to Judges chapter 6. Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Judges chapter 6. Follow along with me. I'll read verses 19 through 23. Judges chapter 6. Beginning at verse 19. Then Gideon went in and prepared a kid and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. He put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. And he brought them out to him under the oak and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out on the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and unleavened bread. And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace to you. You do not fear, you shall not die. Remember, he said that because it was taught that if you ever saw God in person, you would die. But in the Old Testament here, the angel of the Lord, who had this exchange with Gideon, made his presence known. And as soon as Gideon understood it, what did he call him? My Lord and my God. So he understood that this angel of the Lord was 
God himself, Messiah in the flesh. So, some people understood it like this. And, and several times there were stories like this in the Old Testament where people were confronted by an angel of the Lord. They called him the angel of the Lord. And they said, my Lord and my God. And other times it happened too, same thing, where they would identify the angel of the Lord as my Lord and my God. Now, the reason I point that out is you would not say my Lord and my God to a messenger, would you? You only say that to my Lord and my God. So they understood that this angel was somebody special. They were familiar with stories of angels. And uh, angels did appear and people saw them. It wasn't real common, but it did happen. But Gideon understood that this angel of the Lord was my Lord and my God. So he began to understand and, and people began to do this. Uh, there's a, another story after Gideon, and there are several others, you're not all on the screen, where the angel of the Lord was doing other things. There may be another, scre another screen there, Debbie. I, I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, there we go. Struck down 185,000 Assyrians. The angel of the Lord was sometimes Messiah doing God's punishment. Sometimes the angel of the Lord gave covenants and recognized that it was God himself doing the covenanting and sustaining life water from the rock that we've all talked about. So, the moral of this story is when you read the Old Testament in particular and it says the angel of the Lord, consider who it might be. Some of the passages as I've shown will show you this was God himself. Sometimes not. And it really doesn't matter as long as you understand this is God working. When it's a messenger of God, they carry the authority of God. But when it's God himself, that's another level of revelation. Now, as time came, time came and went, and finally Messiah came in the flesh, we see less and less of the angel of the Lord. In fact, you don't even hear about that anymore. We hear about angels from God. But the reason for that is that we no longer need the angel of the Lord because Messiah has come. You and I talk about Jesus. So, in the video, I have decided to follow Jesus is the very issue. We don't follow the promise of coming Messiah. We follow Messiah who has come. When we read about the angel of the Lord, we understand that that was Messiah before. And today we pray to Messiah now. Jesus. The way God works. We don't need the angel of the Lord today because... We have scripture and we have the indwelling spirit, don't we? So we receive Jesus as Savior and we begin to understand that this book that we hold in our hand, paper and print, is literally word of God. God speaks. And this is why sometimes when you read scripture, you feel guilty. It's confronted you in sin. Sometimes when you read scripture, you feel like God is with you because that's exactly what's happening. God is working. Sometimes, when you pray in the name of Jesus, you sense something at work. And that's the indwelling spirit. The angel of the Lord was for a time. Now we follow Jesus, Messiah. On screen is this final idea. Read this with me if you would. God speaks through Jesus. He loves through Jesus. And he guides and saves through Jesus. It has always been this way. 
I did some research on that song, and I have decided to follow Jesus and, and got the backstory and all that. Like I said, true story. Horrible. People died in the name of Jesus. And God works there. God doesn't always give you what you want. He doesn't always make things easy. But what he can do is give you strength. He can give you hope. The people who are in Israel can pray and God can give them hope. The Palestinians can live and live with hope for those who believe in Ukraine and in Russia. They can hope that someday there will be peace. And it is based not just on myth, but on Christ himself. You see, it really is all about Jesus. Nate's going to come and lead us in a closing hymn of invitation and commitment. A chance for you to consider what you want to do with this Jesus, angel of God, now Messiah, God in the flesh. Follow him and live. Nate, would you come and lead us? Let's stand. For the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love which from our birth over and around us lies. Lord of all, to Thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. Thank you, Nate. Remember our Bible study Wednesday night. Meal starts at 6. And we'll begin the Bible study. Seven, still studying the parables of Jesus. Dave, would you come and lead us? Pray with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful again for the many blessings that you give to us. And we're so thankful for your word. And we're thankful for you sending Jesus to be our Savior. Help us to look for opportunities this week to serve you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.